Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. All right, it's the good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast. 2.0. Yeah. 2.0.1 or point two? I don't know. It's the second episode of 2015. Yeah. And yeah. our second episode since uh, we've gone live on iTunes. Ooh, that's right. We're on iTunes now. We're on the interwebs. We have hit the big time. We're on the Twitters. Yeah. So if people want to listen to us, they can go to thelaughpodcast.com, point your browser, your phone, uh, whatever you listen to us on, to thelaughpodcast.com. You can hear us on iTunes. Yep. There are links to iTunes. If you search if you just go to the iTunes store and you search LAF, you'll see us and some atheists. Yeah, look for the giant purple circle. And it'll be a flying bowl production. So It's good stuff. Uh, also, if you don't have an iOS system, if you don't have iTunes, you can listen to us on Stitcher. We've uh, recently formed a partnership with Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Uh, it's an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover new shows from its library of over 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports podcasts. It allows you to create custom playlists so that you can listen to it on your iOS, Android, Nook, or iPad. Also, it's available in over 4 million car dashes. Ooh, on the yes. car dashes. So, Stitcher, on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. Don't have Stitcher? Go go today to download it at Stitcher.com or go to thelaughpodcast.com and follow the link. Nice. Well read. That's a live read, people. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Uh, congratulations on that. Looking forward to when we get more sponsors. Yeah. Uh, if you follow us on iTunes or Stitcher or through the various forms, you can ask us questions, leave us comments. You can leave us a positive review, hopefully, on the show, and you can give us some ideas about where you want the show to go. Yeah, make please. This a little interactive. Please write a review, rate us. Those things greatly help us. Uh, I believe you, you have a stat for how high we've achieved on iTunes. I think we have. We're up to two hundred listeners now, Ooh. or two hundred subscriptions. Yeah, I'm not sure. And at one point, if we if you searched for literature and film. We came back as like the twenty eighth right. search term. That was that was our highest a couple of weeks. We, ago. We've broken into the double digits. Right. Who knows uh, how far we also we have twenty five reviews already yeah. on, on the iTunes. We, and one we of those appreciate reviews, each and every one of them. One of those reviews wants to know. I, I told Mister Two Frames over there that one of our students gave us an idea. Bessie wanted to know about love stories. What we thought about love stories. We'll have to do that on a future podcast. But he also mentioned that it wasn't, it wasn't our, one of our students. Oh, we're going to give that away? Well, yes. I think Mrs. Mrs. Two Frames want, should get some credit. Two Frames. Well, no. The, the, this is Mama Two Frames. <laughs> Mrs. Mama Two Frames. <laughs> so, Mrs. Bull, we will be talking about love stories sometime in the future. Excellent. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit in our last show. Which we, where we talked about the criteria that we set up for uh, how we judge and uh, how we appreciate movies and how we pick movies to go watch. Um, what made you go see to this week's movie, American Sniper? 
What made me go see it? Uh, one, it's nominated for Best Picture. And okay. lately I've been trying to see all the Best Pictures. Just knock those out. Uh, two, I like Clint Eastwood films as okay. a general rule. Yeah, I thought he was done making films. I think he says that after every film, but yeah. he's in his 80s, so he some might not be lying. Some might argue that he was right the last time he said it. Ooh, oh, wow. I think we're getting an early review from someone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just and I was interested by the story. I, I like war movies, and I thought going in, this was going to be one of the few positive uh, war movies that's yeah, come out in a while. War's gotten a bad name. War's gotten a bad rap. <laughs> we need to the, the the big war needs to get on that and start upping its propaganda. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let me. It is pro soldier. Wow. I think. And I, I don't think soldiers have gotten a good rap from the last couple of war movies. Probably for the last decade or so. We haven't celebrated their accomplishments and their struggles. And so I was happy to see a movie that celebrated the American soldier and what the American soldier has done. Maybe that would be better spoken. I don't know. Speaking of better spoken, <laughs> I'm working through the pain of a hideous canker sore Ooh. on the bottom of my tongue. Speaking about the wounded warriors. Yeah, we, we thank you for your service <laughs> yeah. to laugh. It's killing me, Mr. Mister Two Frames. Did I mention that I'm the L-Train? No. I'm the L-Train. The host. One of the hosts. You did it again. Podcast. The host. <laughs> wow, we know who show this is now. <laughs> Over there is the other host. Mr. Two Frames Bull. How are you, Mr. Two Frames? It's a pleasure, as always, to be on the show. On your show, apparently. <laughs> well, it's your website, so it has to be my show. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, all right. That's how we're delegating? No, no, no. It's a partnership. No, that's fine. So, um, <laughs> but this week, I guess we're both talking about American Sniper, a film we both went and saw. American Sniper. Um, how was your viewing of it? Where Did you go see it in the IMAX? No, format? I saw it at the uh, Paragon. And just regular viewing. Yeah, no, it was a big screen. It was their, it was their. I don't think they have IMAX at Paragon, but they have, okay. they have a pretty big screen, eighty foot screen or something. So, so good experience. Good. Yeah, yeah. The 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 visual print and the sound were all really good. There's really good sound at that Paragon. Where did you see it? I saw it at uh, the AMC. Mm-hmm. And I saw the IMAX version because that was the first one playing Sunday morning. How many people were there? Uh, it was probably two-thirds filled. Yeah, mine was packed. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of older people, not a whole lot of uh, young adults or teenagers in it. A lot of, uh, um, it's made a lot of money. Speaking of lots. Oh, it's like the highest grossing R-rated movie for an opening weekend. Oh, really? More than uh, than that Christ movie, The Passion of the Christ? Maybe not. I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Maybe it opened on a Friday, because Passion of Christ opened on a Wednesday. Maybe. It's already made well north of $100 in only one weekend of major release. Wow. What did that do to the Wedding Ringer? You think it took the audience away? Uh, Wedding Ringer still did well. I think it it was somewhere in the $20 So, Hmm. you know, it's going to make its money, and it's a fairly small budget, but... um, this movie is doing really well. It's getting a lot of positive reviews from the people who go see it. Yeah, so word of mouth is going to spread the popularity so. of the movie. And huh. this is a crowd that doesn't normally go see films in theaters. I told my dad he needed to go see it, and he sees one, maybe two movies a year in theaters, and 
he's all for it. He my dad wait to go watch it. Uh, who's ex-military saw it with me. Mm-hmm. He left the the theater saying it was the best war movie he'd ever seen. Wow, that's high praise. Yeah. Do so, you agree with this praise? No. <laughs> no, I mentioned several other movies, and he was like, "Yeah, they were probably better." Oh, so he does the same thing his son does. When you do your top five list of anything, you have ten films on it. <laughs> no. Like father, like son. I here. think he, he, sometimes he he has a tendency to be really bullion about the experience. And, and it was a, a, it was an experience, I think. I was moved. I got a little dusty at the end there. Um, it's not really a spoiler to put out this guy's story because mm-hmm. it's been out for a while, but this is the most decorated. Chris Kyle, the subject of American Sniper, is the most decorated uh, Army. I guess he was a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. Navy SEAL. But he's the most decorated sniper. American military sniper in uh, history. And he has the most confirmed kills. 160? 160 confirmed. Huh. Though okay. apparently he put estimates as high as 250. And that's one of the problems with ranking snipers. Someone else has to see the kill, or they have to find the body <coughs> later verify. on. Yeah, so there are probably more prolific snipers from uh, the Vietnam War, from the Korean War. The problem with those wars was you had to have an officer see you kill the guy, and generally the snipers were out in the field by themselves, or right. or maybe with a spotter who wasn't an officer. So a lot of those kills never got confirmed and counted. So this was uh, the American war hero of the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. It would say probably more people celebrate him than any other soldier that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, he's been well-known in the public eye for a good four years or so, I'd say. He wrote a book on, uh, on the history of the handgun, or military handguns, before he wrote his autobiography, upon mm-hmm. which this movie is based. Uh he worked with a lot of veterans upon his return from uh, from Iraq. Worked with a lot of veterans and tried to establish uh, help for people that were wounded, mm-hmm. and you know, psychologically and physically. Because yeah. I guess he himself suffered from post traumatic stress. And he, some he was injured twice. He was shot twice. Um, he was near half a dozen IED explosions. Mm-hmm. While he was over there, he served uh, four tours of duty. At one point in the movie, uh, another character asks him if that's about a thousand days, and he says, "Yeah, roughly." So that's, that's a lot of time. Yeah. Well, so I admire his devotion to the country, which seemed to be the cause mm-hmm. for uh, not his motivations. I suppose I admire that part of it. I was a military brat myself. My problems with the film are some of the things that I find that you don't like in other movies. And I'm, well, I'm, I want to see why you're willing to, to give this movie a break on it. So my, my biggest problem, I think, with the film was the war scenes. The battle scenes did not have clear objectives. Mm-hmm. There was no, aside from a few times when there was over, when there were overhead shots of the battle scenes of the battle locations, you could see you, you it was hard to place yourself in the war if you were there in in the battle mm-hmm. scenes, and so the sense of scale 
was disproportionate and, and difficult to, to catch up with. And I understand how that works thematically, that you're lost in the fog of war. But there's a one segment towards the end of the film where you're literally lost in the fog of war. And I had already checked out by then. And it, the movie had to work really hard to pull me back into it. Yeah. I was annoyed by those things. Yeah, I guess About the, 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 the battle scenes are hard to do. Because, one, you have a guy who's in country for a thousand days. He's involved in numerous skirmishes, and you're going to have to pick out half a dozen for your film. The other problem is, if you show him killing too many people, the audience is going to go, this is unrealistic. And yet, this is a guy who has over 160 confirmed kills. Yeah, but that's He probably not- has more than that. Like, how do you show someone going and being Superman on the battlefield? Which, I mean, this guy pretty much was. This was a problem if you look back at war movies uh, like the Audie Murphy story starring Audie Murphy, who was a congr- or who was a Medal of Honor winner in World War II. And in the movie, they had to tone down his exploits because they were so unbelievable. He also starred in the Red Badge of Courage. Yeah. Our original movie. But, I mean, with some of these people, these larger-than-life figures, what they did is just amazing. And, you know, um, I, I was reading... But that's not, that's not the problem that I had with the film. I mean, they, they could have, there were different ways you could have approached that. I mean, I'm talking I, about the actual cinematography and the actual... You found it hard to just follow along. Cause it, right. It wasn't the story that bothered me as much as it was... Well, there were some story elements that I disliked about it. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I'll say the, the plot element of the counter-sniper, the sniper That was a the other big side, problem. And they show a lot of scenes of him out of the battlefield and how do we know right. this is what he was doing there's no way to know that and I've come to understand through well this is very small limited research one of my students had the book mm-hmm. during the exams today and I picked it up and looked at it and looked for that through line that narrative through line doesn't really seem to exist yeah it's not in the book but uh, through my research I found Chris Kyle said he refused to use the sniper's name in his book because he didn't want to honor this guy in any way. He didn't want the guy's name recorded. Uh-huh. He do believes one of his friends was killed by this guy, and he thought at one point he had killed this guy. All right, so we're getting into spoiler territory. So, for, like, those are like little nuances yeah. of the film. That- I mean, so they, they do play around with when did he do stuff? Did these battles actually occur? I mean, they're trying to streamline this. Apparently, a lot of the streamlining of the story and adding in this enemy sniper is the work of Steven Spielberg, someone who you often have not liked his um, additions to stories. Yeah, he's a little heavy-handed. Yeah. So, what, what was he a producer on this thing? He was uh, attached to direct the film for a while. This uh, film has actually bounced around from director to director. Uh, it, it was The rights were to the story were originally bought in May of... 2012, while Chris Kyle was still alive. By Spielberg? No, by David O. Russell. David O. Russell drops out a couple months later. Um, Steven Spielberg signs on a year later in May of uh, 13, 2013. Spielberg gets around a lot. To do the film. And he did, and so he gets attached to the film shortly after Chris Kyle was actually killed in real life. And he adds in some of these other storylines. Apparently Spielberg couldn't get the budget he wanted for the film. So the movie uh, wasn't going to get made for a while until, um, who is it? Uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, thank you. 
couldn't think you of it. You forgot Clint Eastwood? What's the matter uh, with you? Clint Eastwood uh, joins the film uh, late August of 2013. So they already started principal production and, I mean, principal photography and pre-production they, and all that? They'd done some pre-production. Uh, Chris, uh, Kyle was supposed to be played by Chris Pratt, the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy, and Bradley Cooper had was just going to produce the film. But then uh, after all these director drops, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper decides to do the film. And he works with Clint Eastwood. And they started filming this movie in March of 2014. They finished filming it in June of 2014, and it was screening in November. Well, That's really, really Yeah, but you can tell. Well, and I, yeah, that There's might some go to some of the problems with the editing. Like, I have. think that it's not not only editing, but story and uh, some some elements in terms of time and compression and mm-hmm. trying to do too much with this guy's life. I think that there are ways to tell that guy's story that would be more interesting and more streamlined and more effective. Um, I don't know if you can get a better performance than what Bradley Cooper did. Oh yeah, I thought acting so, wise it was very good. I would say, and does is does anyone do a better job than Bradley Cooper of going from young to aged? Like having that ten year window. <laughs> he did it in a uh, uh, place beyond the pines. Okay, and uh, he did it pretty well. In it. Like he looks like. He can play late twenties or early forties, right. yeah. anywhere in between. Yeah, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of mid range or mid life mid range range. I don't know. So yeah, he's pretty good for that. You know, I I like that. I didn't like his ever shifting beard, <laughs> which I know that uh, I think in a different director's hands that might have been a key in terms of placing him in time. I think in Eastwood's hands, it was just like, oh, yeah, so you got a beard today? All right, well, here, it doesn't matter. Let's just shoot this shot and then do this. And I think there's probably a lot of discontinuity with the beard. I didn't really look for it, mm-hmm. but it seemed out of place at times. The beard didn't bother me too much. What bothered me was I never saw people sweating. <laughs> yeah, and they're supposed to be in the desert. Yeah, and, and I, I wish they'd played up that it might aspect have filmed of it. it. Oh, you said they filmed it in March? Yeah, March to June. I'm not sure where they filmed right. it, but I mean, if you're laying down on a rooftop for eight hours or something, providing overwatches, mm-hmm. troops cool. go through the region. You'd think that there's going to be some sweating going on. They filmed a Full Metal Jacket in the winter Ooh. in England. They had to shoot scenes where they had hot air blowing in the guys' faces. Or else you would have seen fog running out of their mouths. Mm. It was so cold. Yeah. It was a troubled production. Yeah. I don't think you start filming in England in October for a movie that's set in Vietnam in the, the summer. Oh, no, so. no. But, I mean, those are things you have to think about. I, I recently listened to Tom Cruise give an interview. And they were asking him how it was to work with Paul Newman. He said, Paul Newman taught me everything about how to be an actor. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, how to do your scenes? He goes, no, how to dress. <laughs> when they did the movie uh, Color of Money, the pool hustling yeah. film, uh, Tom Cruise had gone in for his fitting in the middle of summer. So he got this really lightweight leather jacket to wear, and his character was going to wear uh, a small T-shirt, very thin, and he thought it was fine. 
Well, they start filming this movie in, I think it was Chicago, in January. And it was the coldest uh, winter on record. And there are scenes where he's got to walk outside in negative 10 degree weather, and he's just freezing his butt off. Paul Newman, on the other hand, is fine. And he, he goes to Paul, like, how'd you do this? And he goes, well, you wear thermal underwear, <laughs> layers. And he goes, how'd you know to do this when we were being fitted for our wardrobe in June? He goes, that's acting, kid. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So, I mean, there is a lot of thought on that and trying to schedule stuff so that you're in the right season. I'm not sure Eastwood paid much of attention to it. Yeah. The, uh, the fake babies in... Uh, this received a lot of controversy lately. Did, did the fake baby scene? I couldn't. Un, I couldn't unnotice them, and it was pretty bad. I mean, if I had not known, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have even noticed. But I'd read the article about the fake babies before hand, and it just said that Eastwood had a couple of babies in line that they were going to use for these mm-hmm. scenes. They one of them was sick, the other one didn't show up, so he's like, "Bring out the doll." Hey. And they used fake baby, fake doll babies. And it's it's pretty glaring. I, I didn't really notice it, but I wasn't paying attention to the baby. I was watching Bradley Cooper's face a lot in that scene because there's a lot of emotion going on. Right. And he's going through a lot of mental torment. That just probably points to his ability as an actor even more mm-hmm. that they were able to use these, like, clay babies <laughs> and uh, react to it. I thought the wife did a pretty good job, too. Whoever played that role, I don't know. Maya is her name in the movie. Selena Dion? Oh my god. I've never seen her in anything. I don't know what else she's done. but yeah, Both of them look remarkably similar to the real people. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty, pretty interesting too. Well, I think that got me interested in the film early on when I saw a photo of Bradley Cooper and how much muscle he had put on for the role. Because he's normally a fairly slight of build guy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's the he only looked like a or he looked like someone in the military. I think he's the only actor. Where did I read? He was the only actor to have three best actor nominations in a row. Wow! For the last three movies that he's done, he's been good. Yeah, so he might win. I don't know. Uh, that will have to be a future podcast. Actually, that's probably that might even be our next podcast. Don't you think? If we can schedule the, the registrar. Yeah, we got to get the registrar involved. Maybe some other people. Got like some it. co-hosts. Uh, but before we do that, we have to finish this one up. Is there anything else you want to say about American Sniper? Um, I just think it's a good film. Um, I like that it's pro-soldier. And, you know, I, I do think it shows some of the uh, warts of uh, Chris Kyle. He wasn't the best guy off the battlefield. Uh, they've left out some of the problems, like the lawsuit that Jesse Ventura filed against him, and people can go and research those things. I mean, he wasn't a perfect person, but he was a really good soldier. And It's hard to I, find. I think there's a conversation also to have about what qualities do you need to be a good soldier on the battlefield, and if those are the same qualities we want in a person um, outside of wartime. Well, Bradley Cooper is also pretty likable himself, mm-hmm. so when he's playing that role of somebody, it's hard to... That was one side of, the, of his personality that I didn't. I don't think he did a very good job. I don't think he was prickly enough. Yeah, um, I think he was too likable throughout, and that you had too much empathy for him because I think he was probably most cocksure rodeo Navy SEAL type guys are going to be. They're going to be d bags. 
yeah. his d-bagginess was not on display as yeah. much as I think but it I could don't have know been. If it, yeah, I don't know how much it needed to be, but that's also where then you go and read more. I think it, I think it needed to be in order to make it a better movie. Maybe. Um, I'd watched some of this weekend, too, and it shows some of the warts of Martin Luther King I think and, and some of the struggles. And I, I, I like that. I don't think you have to focus on it, but you do need to give it some time. From what I heard about Selma, it doesn't try to do a lot of the things that this movie does. And if this movie falls into a lot of trap, traps of the biopic. And then you mentioned, I think, before that you thought this was a better biopic than Foxcatcher. Mm-hmm. But I think Foxcatcher is better just in terms of I, – I don't uh, – I kind of like Foxcatcher Fox a little bit better, I think, because of the tone and then also the, the isolation of the narrative, which ironically is part of the problem I had with Foxcatcher, that they condensed a lot of stuff and they, mm-hmm. they, and they isolated certain things about this guy that wasn't real. Um, I think with Chris Kyle's – the American Sniper movie, I think they stretched out a lot of things. They tried to put too much in there. It's possible. A lot of storylines were left on. There were a lot of there were a lot of frayed edges. Yeah. His relationship uh, with his brother. I, I think the problem was they omitted stuff. It, it, it could have been a four-hour movie. Or Very conversely, useful. if they had gone the Selma route, where they only did one, where they tried to take one event. Mm-hmm. And they had gone in that direction. They could have made a tighter film that I think I would have appreciated more. Yeah. I didn't need. I didn't need the stuff about his his, the connections to his father and his brother. I didn't need that. I didn't need to see, um, the rodeo stuff. I mean, it was funny. Some parts of it were good, and entertaining. But it took a half an hour to get into the sniping part. It actually started started with the it snorted. It started with the sniping, mm-hmm. and then it got away from it, and then it kind of lost me a little bit too. So, I liked it, and I agree with you that it's got problems, and it bites off more than it can really cover in two two and a half hours. But that's a problem I think with a lot of biography uh, films yes, that um, someone's life really shopping. can't be distilled down to this much. And I think that there's a lot you want to commit to film, and I, I wouldn't want to see the Chris Kyle trilogy. Because I do think that there's enough there to have six hours of film. I think if you had done there, the key scene that's in the trailer, that's a big part of the movie, it starts the movie, mm-hmm. is that, that question as to how far you're willing to go. And they, they approach that question again later on in the film. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and that was what he struggled with and. That's what a lot of the pushback against him as being a, a big hero is. What we what we want to have uh, our soldiers might not be what we'd want to have just normal people. Yeah. So I think you could add that intensity in a one and a half hour movie and just focused on that one scene or that one through that one through line. Maybe I mean I like though. It might have made a better film. They talk about some of his work out outside the military and how he tried to help wounded veterans. I yeah, wish I that they had played up a little more. One of the guys who tells the story of how he got injured and he was basically just a truck driver. And from what I've read, Chris Kyle tried to help those guys more. And I've heard other um, 
special forces types. Uh, Tim Kennedy, who's an MMA fighter, uh, he's been asked a lot about uh, PTSD. And he said he had some problems calming down when he got back, but he went over there as a warrior. He knew he was going against combat. All of his training was centered around that. And he got help afterwards for dealing with the violence he saw and even the violence he um, doled out. He, he was in that mindset. He said the problem with PTSD is more the guys who go over there to drive trucks, to load trucks. Because you know. they're under that constant pressure yeah. and anxiety. And, but they're not in... They're not ready for combat. Right. They haven't been trained. But There's then all of a positions. sudden, something goes bad. They run across an IED. And now, you know, the guy they've been working with for five months has had half his body blown off. Right. They're dealing with injuries. Those are the real problems. And apparently Chris Kyle worked a lot more with those type of people uh, and those type of veterans. It's weird because that's not really where his uh, problems occurred. Yeah. His problems were more related to the the. The long-term stress, not the shock. It's more like, um, I mean, it happened over time. I think it chipped away at his psyche, yeah, at least he, the way they presented it in the film. He sees a lot. But, I mean, there are a couple of lines where he's concerned about the inexperienced soldiers, and he doesn't like how yeah, far that, uh, But I was also wondering about how hokey that was, and that's that's that also stuff that took the film. But I, I think it's interesting, and one of the things I like about this film was it made me want to go and read more. And it makes me want to go and discuss more because these are real issues. Yeah, and maybe that's another on. element that you can add to your appreciation list. Like, why do you appreciate movies? If it makes mm-hmm. you look up stuff. I went with that Foxcatcher and looked at the DuPont uh, uh-huh. interviews, and I still, I still, I still agree with me <laughs> that he's not as creepy as he is in in real life. I mean, in the movie, he's much more, much creepier. Much more um, creepy. I don't know. Uh, that, no, there's that, there's a there's a distance. There's a there's a he he has an approachability in real life that I don't think um, Carell gave him enough credit for. He was he was too weird by half, and I'm not saying that he wasn't a weird guy, mm-hmm. but. The way that that movie Foxcatcher is presented or presents that character also takes out a whole lot of the of the the backstory surrounding his involvement with Olympics and other things. Like he wasn't just obsessed with wrestlers. No, no, he had a whole lot of stuff going on, and he was altruistic, and he and he did have. I mean, he wasn't completely isolated. So I think that the presentation Carell puts out there is more of a stereotype than a. Than the reality, I think with Foxcatcher, there was a story they wanted to tell, and they found some historical event that closely resembled it. Right, and there's just enough of the physicality of that guy, and there's just enough creepiness about him to to warrant that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that that uh, Carell's performance, but yeah. I, just, I still don't think he's that creepy. Possibly I mean, he not. is creepy, but I don't think he's don't as creepy as. Uh, as Carell. Yeah, I, I think Foxcatcher has an agenda. I think American Sniper, there was an appreciation for the soldier, and they wanted to start making movies about soldiers. And, and oh, you think stories. that this will lead to... I hope so. All right, because... Because I think there I are more stories about soldiers and battles Well, I'm wondering we'll then why hear. you didn't see Lone Survivor. Because that's the type of movie that I think this movie could have been. 
And and it might have been it might have made it a better movie, an isolated incident of this guy in this situation, because that movie Lone Survivor has arguably that guy had more combat um, experience than just that one battle, and I think that's well, I haven't seen the movie, so it's probably not fair for me to comment on it. But you didn't see the movie either, and. It was a pro-soldier uh, yeah. movie, from what I understand. I just had too many previews shoved down my throat, and it was they did the a same pretty good preview. job with marketing of American Sniper. Yeah, I, American Sniper. There less was more with that marketing campaign. But I did have to avoid the marketing at the end. The last two or three weeks in the in the mm-hmm. NFL games and stuff, I they they started giving away a lot more than they needed to. Yeah, that very first trailer was. Which is just the first scene of the film. Right. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Pretty effective. So, do I recommend, or do you recommend American Sniper? Yes. Do I recommend American Sniper? Yeah, you're you're a little more moderate on it. Yeah, I, I still think you should go see it. I'd probably like it. Mm-hmm. I think most people won't have the same... I think it's going to have more legs on it than a lot of the other films nominated for Best Picture this year. Oh, it's better than Imitation Game. Well, and just in 10 years, people will go and watch American Sniper, I think, much quicker than they're going to go watch Foxcatcher or probably even Imitation Game. Not that those aren't bad films, but I think it's going to be a lot like Saving Private Ryan has more legs on it than uh, Shakespeare in Love, which actually won Best Picture that year. Right. So... You know, uh, war movies just tend to remain in our psyche longer. It'd be interesting to, for us on our next podcast to rank the Best Picture nominees. Ooh. That means I'll have to go see Selma and the, not the Imitation Game, the Theory of Everything. Theory of Everything. I'm going to have to go see that, but those I want to see Big Hero seen? 6. Uh, I think those are the only two I haven't seen. Yeah. What else is up there? Boyhood. That's uh, the only one I haven't seen. I know where that's gonna. Where that's gonna be on the list? Grand Budapest Hotel. So of course I saw that. I saw it with you. No, you did. I saw it no? by myself. And all right, I saw it with Kyle then. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you're forgettable. What else? <laughs> what else is a bird man? I saw bird that. Man. I saw that with you. No, you didn't. I did. We were supposed to see it, and then I bailed on you. Oh, I saw it alone. And you found out after you bought a ticket. So I saw. And it I alone? got a phone call, and I didn't pick up. So I saw it alone. Yeah. The same thing. All right, what else? Uh, Imitation game. I did see that with you. You did see that, with, unfortunately. Uh, I can't remember much about that. <laughs> and then I guess that. All right, so either way, whatever it is. There's a lot of good stuff at. out there. So uh, next week, people can tune in and listen to our Oscar I think so. It show. might even be before next week because I think the Oscars come out uh, February 2nd. Ooh, yeah, we and may have to rush have this to in then. Bump a few up there. That's fine. Uh, so that's what you have to look forward to. If you want to uh, give us any feedback on the show or any previous shows or any shows that we might do in the future, you can go to www. There you go. That's my uh, that's my canker. My um, canker's acting up. It's turning you into Porky Pig here. I can help you out here. If you go to www.thelaughpodcast. Do we really need to have the www's? I have no idea. I don't think you need to anymore. But if you go there, you can leave us a comment. Also, you can post a comment on uh, iTunes. Yeah, positive. While you're there, give us a rating as well. really helps us out. Or um, tweet us at uh, The Laugh Podcast. 
That's T-H-E-L-A-F podcast. Or at T-H-E-L-A-F podcast. And then if you check out the, the Twitter feed there, you'll see uh, L-Train's dog, Rue. Ooh. <laughs> and his last, uh, his last adventure. So, uh, for Mr. Two Frames over there. It's been a pleasure. I'm the L-Train. Pox at Bonham, everybody. There be dragons. <laughs>